This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 77, Club's Slow Start in 2023. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook, or email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crowley, happy Monday. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, just trying to get used to life without baseball all the time. But there's still postseason baseball, and we'll talk about that. But that's kind of fun to watch. I uh, I also was at an autograph show this weekend in Schaumburg and got to see uh, and talked a little bit to Ben Zobrist and Joe Madden. So always a good time. Which uh, which show was that, Crowley? That's the Schaumburg show. It's a new show. It, it was the first time that they had it. They had a ton of Chicago Bears on Saturday. It was like an 85 reunion. It was ridiculous. There wasn't a lot of, uh, the reason I asked is there wasn't a lot of promotion, it didn't seem, for this thing. Um, In the right circles, yes. But yeah, yeah, you know, it's whenever you have like the first show of something, it's never, you know what I mean? It's always kind of like they're putting it together and probably don't have as much money to do that. But I would, I was, I know Justin Fields was there, uh, William Perry, Richard Dan, uh, Dan Hampton. I mean, it it was uh, Otis Wilson. I mean, there was a ton of people at this show. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. What'd you get? Uh, I got, um, uh, Ben Zobrist. It, it's, um, it was for season ticket holder day. They have these season ticket holder days and they give you usually a gift sometimes. And so it was, a. It, this was, I got this in 2017, but it was a picture of all the all-stars in 2016. And so I have that signed right now. Cubs had six all-stars that year. I have it signed by Lester. I have it signed by, uh, Zobrist and I have it signed by Dexter Fowler. Okay. So I'm missing a couple. I'm missing Arietta, Bryant, and Rizzo. But uh, and then there, yeah. And then I got Russell. I'm getting in November. There's a big show in Schaumburg so, or in uh, Rosemont. So trust me, I got my fill of baseball. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the name of this episode is the Cubs slow start in 2023. So what we're gonna do? We're gonna hit a little rewind button. We're gonna look back at uh, April and May and uh, go back to what things went right and what things went wrong during those couple of months for the Cubs. And, you know, Dustin, it's funny because everyone was so focused on the collapse in September. But you know what they say, losses count the same in April as they do in September. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I when I looked at this, right, you know, I was, I was down in Mesa for spring training. And we didn't know what to expect. You know, a lot of new free agents on the team. Some names you'll remember, some you won't. But, uh, you know, with Dansby Swanson and Cody Bellinger and Trey Mancini and Jamison Tyone, Eric Hosmer. And, uh, you know, you, you had a lot of people, you know, that, that were on the team. And it seemed like most of the positions were set coming out of spring training, but remember that say Suzuki had that oblique in his, in spring training and it left a question mark as who's to play right field while he recovered from his injury. And, and Dustin, I remember when we looked at the roster right before opening day, when it was released, you know, 
some things were absolutely what we expected. Others were not. We knew that first base was going to be a combination of Trey Mancini and Eric Hosmer. We knew Nico would play second, Dansby short. Third base was going to be some combination of Patrick Wisdom, Nick Madrigal, and you remember Edwin Rios? <laughs> I do remember that name. And But I remember the first thing that was odd that we noticed was that the Cubs decided to catch carry three catchers, yeah. Jan Gomes, Tucker Barnhart, and Luis Torrens. And I, I never understood that Luis Torrens thing. That that never made any sense. And then I, I barely remember that name, to be honest with you. Yeah, and and he played for like six different teams this year. It was just goofy. But I guess you know I'm sitting there, and and when I with that three catcher thing, I was like, well, don't they need more outfielders? Because okay, Cody Bellinger is going to play center. Hap's going to play left. They didn't have a legit third outfielder on the roster. And that's what kind of, to me, was weird. They said, okay, we're going to go with Patrick Wisdom, Trey Mancini, and Miles Mastroboni. Well, especially, Trey, especially Trey Mancini out there. His legs were not underneath him. And he actually started off okay at the plate. Okay, I'm being generous, I'm sure. Um, but I remember him out in right field, and it was just an absolute you-know-what show. But, you, you know, Dustin, it, it's, it's – And I, not his I, fault. Right. No, not, not at all. And and that's the thing is that I've talked to a lot of different right fielders. I just was talking to Andre Dawson a couple weeks ago. That's a hard outfield to play like right field, like even for like a good outfielder or even a hall of famer gold glove outfielder, that's a tough, tough field to play. And when you're a guy that, that, that isn't used to playing any right field, you know, like wisdom or Mancini or Mastermony, I mean, it, it just didn't make sense. So, you know, I, I think that the other real big surprise was Chris Morrell not being on the roster to start the season. But I think I'm probably in the minority here to say that I understood the move at the time. Uh, if you looked at his second half numbers of 2022 and just realizing he still had some work to do, and I was happy he got to get it done with John Maley down in Iowa. But I thought there were other options the Cubs could have done in right field, and they didn't do that. And you know, that, that, to, I mean, Mike Talkman was down there. Nelson Velasquez was down there. You, you had guys, you know, well, talk, I mean, if, if anything, if, if, if in hindsight, I almost think that the Talkman omission is more glaring than the Christopher Morrell omission. I, I don't think that Mike Talkman developed down in spring training and beyond having extra time there, right. Going down on the farm, I, I, Christopher Morrell, you can make that argument because again, right. Christopher Morell's position is still up for debate. He's he's an all or nothing kind of a batter. You know, when he puts the ball in play, he, it's electric, right? He's electric on the bases. He's a great teammate. But I can't even understand that. But Mike Talkman is the one which I don't really get. I think that's where again, in in the fact that they end up missing the postseason by this much, that's one where you could say, you know. If you might have had Talkman up here, that th he might have won a game or two for you. Like, not personally, but had been involved in a game where they may have won instead of lost because they had a half-ass right fielder out there. Right, and that's and that's kind of what we're doing is looking like here. Master Boney, like, oh. how many Master <laughs> Boney starts in right field, right? I mean. Yeah, it's like four or five. And, and, right. and so you're looking at this, and, and that was something, like, again, weird that they wouldn't have had another outfielder on there, like a legit outfielder. And and so when you had the rotation, you had Marcus Stroman would be start with the opening day starter, followed by Steele. And 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 the Cubs had put together some good bullpens in the past, you know, and, and, and I, I felt confident they could do it again. 
Um, they just didn't know the roles. You had Brad Boxberger and Michael Fulmer were the big free agent signings. So you figured one of them would be the closer and one would be the setup. Julian Merriweather, you know, we knew he had an electric arm. He was a waiver wire pickup. Assad was coming off an excellent WBC tournament. And Alzali was coming back from injury. And, and Keegan Thompson and Michael Rucker rounded out the pen. That's what they broke with. But we also noticed at the time there was no lefty, right? That was supposed to be Brandon Hughes's job, but he's injured in spring training. So no lefties. So I, I thought all of that was as we walked into the into the season, I just kind of was like, okay, well, let's let's see what happens. And uh, you know, even though the first series against the Brewers, the Cubs are gonna win that one four nothing behind Strowman, you know, it, it was really you started to see certain things pop up in that Milwaukee series that we would kind of see over and over again. I know that Justin Steele was in line for the win in game two, but blown save by Assad and a tough play not made by Master Bonnie. And you're talking about those those little wins, right. you know, they would lose lose that series, right? And and so as you kind of move on there, they they go on the road, they take on the Reds, and they split there, but they do have their first double digit victory. They'll have a lot of that. They'll win game two, 12 to five, before getting rained out. Um, the Cubs had two series against teams with postseason aspiration, the Rangers and the Mariners, the Rangers still in it. Mariners just missed out. Uh, and they won both of those series. So we're kind of saying to ourselves, all right, looking good. Um, but the Cubs lost the third game to the Rangers, uh, eight to two with Jamison Tyone and Assad both struggling. And after the game, the Cubs made their first move of the season. Assad sent to Iowa and Nelson Velasquez was brought up. So they finally figured out, let's get a right fielder. And Nelson Velasquez was hitting the snot out of the ball in Iowa, but in what would be a pattern with David Ross, Velasquez wouldn't get much of an opportunity. Get this, Dustin. He comes in in the first game against the Mariners as a defensive replacement in the eighth, and then in extras, he gets pinch hit for by Tucker Barnhart, of all people. So he didn't even get a, a, a bad at that game, and of course, Barnhart would strike out. Nico would hit his first career walk-off to end that game. But then, right, Nelson Velasquez is given the start in the second game, Hayden Wesniski was awful. He gave up seven runs in 1.1 innings. But the Cubs came back, if you remember this, Dustin, eight-run third inning. Nelson Velazquez hits a grand slam that caused Wrigley to shake, and the Cubs would win this game 14-9 with Velazquez going yeah. three for four with four RBIs. But then with a chance to sweep in game three, Ross goes with Master Boney over Velazquez, and the Cubs lose 5-2. to two. Like – how do you so hit a grand slam right. and go three for four? Well, I'm sure and the computer. The I'm sure. I'm sure the computer said that it was a bad pitching matching, right? So yeah, it had to be. I, 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 and there's been some interesting articles about that based on some postseason managerial moves, not related to the Cubs, but it's like you got to have some feel in these situations. And you see a guy go three for four with four RBIs, you give him the bat the next game, and and so. Nelson Velasquez, Dustin, in the month of April with limited bats, went seven for twenty two doubles, three home runs, six RBIs. He slashed 350, 435, and 900. So, I mean, he just, again, he hits all the, he hits, you know, three for four, and then he sits for 12 games. Like, and then when he comes back, he's still hitting. It made no sense. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. After the Seattle, the Cubs went on a West Coast road trip. They took two or three from the Dodgers and swept the athletics. I don't know if you remember Patrick Wisdom totally locked in. He hit five home runs in a four-game span against the Dodgers and the Atlantics. And the athletics, I mean, but the Cubs make comeback home and the Dodgers got their revenge. They took three from four from the Cubs. Drew Smiley got the lone win with plenty of run support and a 13-0 victory. But the Cubs got back on track, taking two or three from the Padres. But, Dustin, uh, this is where things kind of start to sputter a little bit. After the Padres series, the Cubs were three games out of first and would start a seven-game road trip with three in Miami and four against the very lowly Nationals. They, I don't know what they finished the year at, but I know it was bottom three. Uh, the Cubs would come back from that road trip, Dustin, seven-game road trip, with a record of one and six. Five of those six losses were by one run, losing three of four to Washington. Again, you might get mad at that Atlanta series at the end of the season, but losing three of four to Washington, that was just inexcusable. You know, yep. Like you said in the beginning, and I've had this argument all the time. People are like, Oh, it's just a game and you know, it's just a game in May, Dustin. What are you getting so wound up about? Because they all count the same. That's why. Right. Now they were able to return back home. They took two or three from Miami, but then they lost two to three to the last place Cardinals. If you remember, Wilson Contreras had just lost his starting job. Everything looked like a disaster there. But then uh they lost two of three to the Cardinals, and Wilson played a big role in those Cardinal victories. I hope we all learned our lesson not to boo Wilson Contreras. Right. He thrives on that. So next year, we all are in agreement, no booing Wilson Contreras. Just ignore him, as Dustin says. Just take a sip of your drink and and, and pretend like nothing's really happening. <laughs> now, after, after losing two or three to Cardinals, they would go back on the road and have another awful trip. They lost two of three to the Twins. They lost game two 11 to one and game three 16 to three. The Twins scored 29 runs in their series of victory over the Cubs, the most in any three game series at the target field since the ballpark opened in 2010. But this was the big one in this one, and you didn't know it at the time. But Brad Boxberger, who was signed as a potential closer setup man, gave up three runs in the second game, and he was put on the 60 day IL a couple days later with you know the word, right forearm strain. And he would not be back until September. Dustin, I, I feel like Boxberger was a big part of their plans, and that just really hurt. Yeah, absolutely. And we, you know, have Tommy Hadavier every other Wednesday on Mully and Haw, and he was dying for one of these relievers at this point to take hold of the closer position because they didn't really have one. They were they were doing the closer by committee type of thing, and he was desperate for one of these guys to just go ahead and grab that position. Right, and then after taking losing two of three to the Twins in ugly fashion, they got swept by the Astros in Houston. And if you remember, that's the one where Cody Bellinger in game one, uh, he makes an amazing catch against the wall, but he hurts his knee. A few days later, Mike Talkman, the Palatine Pounder, would make his debut. But they finished the road trip losing two of three to the Phillies. So in that nine-game road trip, Dustin, they're two and seven. Now, back at Wrigley, the Cubs took two or three from the Mets before getting swept by the Reds, and Cincinnati would go on to win 12 straight games. So that was kind of the start of their streak, tying a franchise record. And the Cubs would finish May taking two or three from the Rays. So just a very, not a great month. You know, March and April, they were 14 and 13. And Dustin, I don't mind that. As long as you can be 500 or above in April, April in Chicago is not a fun place to play. I mean, I I sit out in those games and I'm cold. I don't, I I can barely, you know, I'm shivering 
how those players can hit a ball at 98 miles an hour or even warm up. It's just unbelievable. But going 14 and 13, I'll take that. No problem. But Dustin in May, they were 10 and 18. And that's where those road trips were just awful. Losing, you know, those games to Miami and Washington, that road trip. And the Cubs were seven games out of it at this point, or seven games below 500 and five games out of first place. But when I look at April and May, you know, there was some good things, you know, but Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele, Dustin, were the victim of some bad run support, especially Stroman. But Stroman started 12 games in the first two months, but he only had five wins despite having a 259 ERA. Justin also started 12 with six wins and a 265 ERA. So those were a formidable one-two combination, but you just couldn't get those guys runs, you know? Yeah, they did not get any support at all. Good point. And then Smiley was a little less effective, but still good. He started 11 games, Dustin. How about this? Five wins with a 315 ERA. I mean, I don't know what happened to this guy, but in in April and April and May he was fine. I wonder if he would have been, you know, big picture. Like if you were keeping him around, maybe he's a bullpen guy and not a starter. Maybe he just ran out of gas. They used up all his good pitches too early, too soon. I mean, you know, he's a starter. I mean, April and I mean, you should be able to go longer than two months. It's not like it's the first time he's done it or he just came out of the bullpen. I'm just trying year. to listen. I'm just trying to come up with something, right? I, I hear you. I, I think I hope that they can work out whatever it is. I'm sure they'll give him an opportunity to try to win a job. But as of right now, he didn't do himself any favors. But I'll tell you, um, when you talk about April and May, Jamison Tyone and Hayden Wisniewski were complete disasters. Remember, Wisniewski was amazing when he was called up in September of 2022. Looked even better in spring training, won the job over Caleb Killian and Javier Assad. And he started eight games and he only had two wins, no wins in May, and had a 435 ERA in those two months. How about Jamison Tyone? You know, first year in a, in a new city, and you know these guys are trying and all that stuff. He started eight games. He didn't have a single win, and his ERA was 804. Absolutely awful. Just couldn't yeah, have been Tyone, a worse start. Tyone, yeah, it's, he could not have had a worse start. I mean, he couldn't have had a worse start. And, and the worst part about it is when Tyone starts doing good, then all of a sudden Smiley falls apart. Right. Yeah, and no that, 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 that's the yeah, issue. No consistency, yeah. But we knew at the beginning, Dustin, that first base was going to be an issue. We were hoping Trey Mancini, I know I was a big, you know, hey, this guy could be a comeback player of the year. I didn't know that the comeback player of the year was on the same team in center field, but I thought Trey Mancini was going to, you know, change the scenery, good guy from all accounts, and and had good good seasons over in Baltimore. Uh, You had Eric Hosmer to back him up a little bit, and then you know you had Matt Mervis in AAA ready to go, but – that that position continued to be a struggle until they moved Bellinger into first. But Mancini hit 253 with three home runs in April and May. Hosmer was hitting 234 with two home runs. And Matt Mervis, who was called up on May 5th, hit 188 with two home runs, sent back to Iowa on June 15th and never came back up. So that first base position, again, even, you know, I think. Even if as they we do, sit here today, right? Even as we sit right. here today, you don't know. It, the two corner. The two corner infield spots. You don't know. It really, truly is the reason you need Cody Bellinger back. It really, truly is so that you could have PCA in center and you could have a gold glover at first base in Cody Bellinger. I, you know, lefty. I mean, it just checks so many boxes and we just need this guy back. Uh, I think that Seiya's oblique injury 
you know, really cost the Cubs. Uh, we talked about wisdom out there, Master Boney out there, Mancini out there. That, that, that was just, I don't know what they were thinking on that. And I think that that was so bad in the beginning, Dustin, that they really, I feel like they kind of rushed him um, from that oblique injury. He didn't really, I think he only had like a couple starts in Iowa. So I don't know. I was, I would, I, I felt like that really affected the season. It affected say a uh, long-term, I, I think in the short term, having those guys in right really hurt. And I thought, I thought some of the bench decisions were really bad. Like, you know, we talked about Luis Torrens. He was cut on April 28th. Edwin Rios up and down a whole bunch. Nick Magical uh, struggled out of the gate and he was sent back to Iowa. Um, One thing that's going to be consistent, Dustin, when we look at the troubles in April and May are one run games. The Cubs were five and 10 in one run games. And like you said, the bullpen situation, nobody, they had a very, it took them a long time to figure out the roles. You know, usually you kind of, it takes like a month. This, even at the end of May, they were struggling. You know, you had Fulmer, Boxberger, Leiter, Merriweather, Alzali. They were all used in the closer role that felt like you said, by committee, no consistency. Keegan Thompson, you know, he's a name that we don't mention a lot, but he took a big step back. If you remember uh, 2022, Keegan and, and Justin Steele, like were the, were the bright spots of that season. And, and, and obviously Justin Steele took one big step forward, but Keegan Thompson took one big step back. And then I think Brandon Hughes never got healthy starting the season on the IL. No, he's never. called up on April 15th goes back on the IL April 29th, off the IL May 12th, back on the IL June 13th, and he never pitched for the big club the rest of the season. So, that, I mean, that that whole lefty issue was just something that would, would be something that would affect him. You know, and, and, and after May, Dustin, you know, we're going to get after, you know, early on in June, you're going to get to 10 games under, and and we we did not wave the white surrender flag. We were still flying the W, but at that point in time, Dustin, we were definitely concerned. It was very slim. The uh, the alerts were everywhere. Uh, it was uh, not the greatest start for the Cubs, and I'm guessing that uh, next podcast, Crowley, will have a little bit more fun reliving the uh, June and July part of the uh, Cubs 2023 season. Absolutely. It was a blast.